0: Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Waff. Mystery Alaska. Mystery Alaska. We are three movies into the Patreon Listener Choice Month. Yeah, man. And it's, uh, we're recording it on 420, which is also
1: Taco Tuesday. <laughs> it's Taco Tuesday. Can you Somehow. imagine? Let's go get high and get tacos. <laughs> yeah, dude.
0: <laughs> and watch Mystery Alaska. Apparently, Krispy Kreme is giving out free donuts today. Yeah. With proof of vaccination. Right. And I'm like, well, dude, if the hot donut light is on, they're giving away free donuts anyway.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, and it's 420. So, I mean, what if I just walk in there and tell them I'm high?
0: <laughs> I'm vaccinated. <laughs> I ate
1: three gummies. <laughs> Can I have some donuts? Doesn't that mean I'm vaccinated? i'm totally vaccinated (laughs) no i'm not really um so Corey who
0: who picked this movie again chris mcclintock my friend chris mcclintock he's not just my friend He's not just your friend he's my best man at my wedding yeah he finally got around to supporting the show can you believe that (laughs) well we you guilted him right i did
1: or, or we threaten to release the tape that tells that he is actually
0: related to John Wayne from McClintock. Yeah, he gets angry about that comparison. He thinks it's cool and everything, and and it'd be really you think it'd be a great gift to get him a poster from that movie. Sure. But they spell the name differently. What about the what if it has the dog on it though? Maybe. Okay. Is he a dog guy? He used to be a dog guy. Now I. think right. uh, Yeah. I think he's uh, he's indifferent. I don't I don't think he has any animals right now. But he's got three daughters, so well, there you go. He's got to manage them. He doesn't have time for a dog.
1: Yeah. No, that's you know, there'll be time later for a dog
0: once you get those <laughs> girls out of the house. Uh, yeah. So Chris, here you go. We we picked one of those ones that you eventually picked. <laughs> right, mystery Alaska. You know
1: what's funny is because you and I both looked at Miracle and thought he wrote. I swear to God, dude, yes. when I read it, I literally read Mystery <laughs> Alaska. That's how much of a mental block I think I had on Miracle. We both did that. Right. Like both of it. It wasn't even like planned. It was just like, oh yeah, let's do Mystery Alaska. And then we're both like, wait a second, where did Mystery Alaska go on that list? Oh, yeah. Wh- oh,
0: Miracle. What's Miracle? <laughs> we realized that, come on, the 30 for 30 and the HBO doc about the 1980 US men's hockey oh, team yeah. was so much better than, than the Miracle movie. And I think, the, and that movie suffers from it. And this, and there's nothing funny about the other movie. There's, and and I mean, the performances are okay. Lots of up and comers in it, but, dude, Mystery Alaska is exactly what we should be covering because it's just one of those movies. Like, look, we know the name of the movie, but we interpreted Miracle as this movie. So right, so it's stuck in there somewhere. Which I guess if we can sit there and say, we can't say it's a perfect comparable or, or, or transition into this because there is no miracle in this movie because the guys lose anyway.
1: Yeah, but man, it's not about winning or losing. No. It's about
0: daring to be great. <laughs> That's it. Mystery Alaska, from the mind of David E. Kelly, dude decided, I'm like, you know, I'm going to break away from TV for a little bit and make this feature film because the dude loves hockey. Yeah. And there's a reason why he loves hockey. Sure. Well, he's Jack Kelly's son, and if you don't know who Jack Kelly is, Jack Kelly is somebody that played professional hockey for a lot of years, and towards the end of his career was the president of the Pittsburgh Penguins, so this guy has hockey in his blood through and through, so no surprise. Is that
1: how they got Esposito in this movie, I wonder? It must have been like a personal relationship. Oh, I'm right? sure, I'm
0: sure. Yeah. It's not. But then again, how many hockey movies are there out there when you can pick up the phone and say, hey, blah, 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 blah.
1: Hey, we're making a hockey movie that's not slap shot sequel.
0: Yeah, gosh, let's not start with those slap shot sequels, because
1: all right, well, it's not. You're fucking awesome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, but maybe we will get to Miracle Beach. Let's we'll, we'll say that. Okay. Anyway, stop. Mystery Alaska.
0: But Jack Kelly. There's your there's your connection for David e. Kelly, but David also plays on the Hollywood team too. So he's been you you see him around town um, when they're when they're having like special celebrity events and stuff and like when they play the Rangers, yes. Oh. And he's actually he's a really good player. And it's I guess I shouldn't surprise anybody that he's that good. Anyway, so David e. Kelly, you know you all know him from TV work from geez, uh L.A. Law, right? Right. Picket Fences, the practice. And at this time, he
1: was right in the middle of Ally McBeal. Right. And Boston Public.
0: Yes. Right around the end. Yeah, he was doing both, which is kind of crazy. And that's why Ally McBeal kind of had a weird break. Uh,
1: yeah. I feel like there was some sort of weird crossover too. Or yeah. Boston Legal. You know, maybe Boston Public became Boston Legal or, yeah, or there was the, a crossover. The, there was a lot. He had a lot going on, dude. Like everything he wrote, dude, he'd just write down random notes while he was in the restroom
0: and people <laughs> would make a show out of it. dude. The magic touch. I mean, he still does. And he was all over the networks too. Oh yeah. I mean, he was on. I mean, picket picket fences was was CBS practice. Chicago Hope. Chicago sure Hope was actually CBS. That also, was NBC. NBC.
1: NBC. I think. But yeah, he was so. on
0: four, all four major networks, three of them at the same time. Yeah, that's crazy, man.
1: Crazy, and I mean, and that, and, and he's still going. I mean, Goliath over on Amazon is uh, is David Kelly, David E. Kelly. And- yeah,
0: Big Little Lies. That just finished a couple of years ago, but I mean, again, he worked his way over into into uh, cable land a little bit too, and Big Sky. Right. Well, Mystery Alaska is. Let's see what how far after this is definitely before Gladiator for Russell. Yep, it's after
1: uh, LA Confidential.
0: Rimes right, after that, which is thank God for him so, because try to get the taste out of uh, what was that fucking awful movie he did with, <laughs> with Denzel? Proof
1: of Life. Oh, whoa, virtuosity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think this is after or Proof of Life is right around in the same time as this. I think before Gladiator, it was Proof of Life. Uh, anyway, this is before Gladiator. After Ellie Confidential. Yeah. So this is like you know Russell ascending. You know. Yes. And going right up into like being nominated for multiple Oscars, you know? So
0: he plays John Beebe, town sheriff. This is probably the most commercial thing he had done and has ever done. I mean, even Unhinged is a little dark for him. Sure. But as we were talking about a couple of days ago, this movie through and through is literally, if you gave you asked me to come up with five movies that said Hollywood Pictures and screened Hollywood Pictures, this is at the top of the list because everything about this movie says, This is why Disney created the branch of Hollywood Pictures, is to make movies like this. Feel-good movies that just work. And there's a tone about this movie, again, like almost every movie that we're covering this month. Actually, they're all 90s movies, aren't they?
1: Yeah. They are. Oddly enough. Nothing from 1985.
0: (laughs) Because this dropped in late. This is, I mean, this is this is smart marketing for you, and it really should have done it better. But they dropped Mystery Alaska on October 1st, 1999. So October 1st is the first week of NHL hockey, usually, when there's no pandemic. Right. <laughs> right. This movie should have been bigger. I think that what hurt the movie isn't the the marketing of it, other than the fact the title should have been different. It could have, should have come up with a different name. Because look at us. We're familiar with the movie. We we enjoy the movie, and yet we're like we hear the word the name Miracle, and we're like oh Mystery Alaska, <laughs> right? It's like yeah. Anyway, so Russell plays uh, the sheriff at this small little town in called Mystery Alaska. What was the? What did they say? The I mean, people were in it like six hundred people. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> Population six hundred and some change. He he's also the captain of a hockey team that they have there and they always call it and they have every week they have a thing called the Saturday game. And it's kind of like a, it's, it's not, I don't want to say pickup hockey for those of you that play. It's just the, it's just what the town does. Everybody gathers bundled up drinking their hot cocoa and their coffee and watch these guys play some hockey and it's pond hockey. That's the thing. No boards. Just the only thing that looks right is the, is the equipment and the nets. Everything else is, Total Pond Hockey and very much part of the town. The setup of all this is that Hank Azaria, who is from Mystery Alaska, but he wasn't happy with the way his life was going in mystery, so he went to the big city, and then he came back with the New York Rangers to play their team, and it becomes a big thing, and it becomes a televised event. So the whole movie centers around them, the, the small little town preparing for the arrival of the Rangers and the preparation for the game and the game itself. So by the time you get to the game, man, there's so much cool shit happening before the game that the, when the game comes along, you're kind of like, Oh, that's right. There's a game <laughs> because the, right. The characters are so fun. The interaction is so fun. It's, it's a good time. And I mean, Mary McCormick playing uh, Russell's wife and she's wonderful and everything. This is for her right after private parts, right? Yeah. Yeah. A few years after, probably, because was private parts like ninety
1: seven. Ninety seven, yeah, yeah. This is where she, she started to pop up in a lot of things right after uh, private parts and this being one of them.
0: I there's so many things that Mary's done that that are really enjoyable, but her show in plain sight on USA was so good. Yeah, I love that show, man. Yeah, such a good show. I really wish it found life on a bigger network. I mean, it was on for like four seasons or something like that. And it was really a fun
1: show. but you know what? A bigger network would have maybe ruined what was cool about this show. Yeah. I find USA, or I think I'm pretty sure it was USA. I don't want to talk out my ass. But they had a niche for making these kind of shows. Like, I'm a giant fan of Burn Notice. Oh, I love um, Burn Notice. Yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, I love those shows. This, Burn Notice, White Collar. Suits fairly legal maybe, maybe not fairly legal it wasn't one of those shows but USA you know and Mary that show was great dude in plain sight I feel like it's streaming somewhere and it's something I might want to revisit now
0: yes I, I
1: just you mentioned it I'm like God I at least love
0: that show AMC AMC took what 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 USA was doing and they kind of copied that formula and then they started their own little original series network if you want to call it that because boy they stopped showing movies didn't they absolutely <laughs> To round the cast, uh, Lita Davidovich, Ron Eldard, Cole Meany playing L- L- Lita's husband. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Bert, Bert, Bert Reynolds, man. This is one of those movies that we talked about in February where he pissed the latter half of his career. He started doing some really fun stuff and boogie nights. And then, but dude, he's so fucking fun in this. And he's not afraid to play a dick in it. He's a dick. He plays Scott Grimes, who's also on the, the, the hockey team, plays his father. and Now, in their, their strange relationship is, is probably the most dramatized thing about the movie. And, but, dude, every, every son gets it. You know, every son gets that, that interaction, especially one like Scott Grimes' character, who's living in the shadow of his father. And his father, Bert, recognizes how good his son is. There's this whole play about never playing in the Saturday game. And, his, you know, Bert never got invited to play in a Saturday game. And that's his animosity towards his son because of that. He's also the judge <laughs> of the town. Some great moments in a law, in, in, in a courtroom. Can you believe it? A David E. Kelly project with a courtroom in it? Shocking. It's shocking, right? That it never happens. <laughs> I haven't watched Big Sky yet. I was waiting for the season to finish before I got into it. But I got to think there's got to be some courtroom scenes in there somewhere, right? Yeah, I'm hoping. I would imagine. Um, who else who else am I missing? Maury Shaken. Maury Shaken. <sighs> the late Maury Shaken, the late great Maury Shaken, Kevin Durand. Kevin Durand, yes. We talked about him pre-Mike, and Kevin is like he's perfect in this plain tree because he's a big fucker. <laughs> he's just yeah, a big by the way. I until we started talking about it, I forgot that Maury died eleven years ago. I know, man. I had to look it up while I was watching the movie. I'm like, hey man, where you know
1: what is I haven't seen more? And I'm like, oh man. Yeah. It totally bummed me out while I was watching because I really liked that guy. He was always solid. And he's great in this, man. That speech that he's giving yes. when he checks out of the movie. I mean, he's fantastic. I yeah. mean also I just want to throw out Adam Beach shows up as one of the one of the hockey players. Right. One of the Native American hockey players. Yep. Michael McKean shows up, yes. you know. Who we love And and my favorite uh, I'm going to say it uh, Claudia Finnerty uh, Played by the lovely Megan Price Shows up as Sarah Hines And if you've seen the movie You know Mama Walrus You know what that means Yes And you know what the sound Of a snow shovel Banging into Ron Eldard's head Sounds like (laughs) Both sides Probably the best moment Of the movie (laughs) You know who else is in this movie, dude? And it shocked the shit out of me was Judith Ivy playing Bert's wife. I hadn't seen Judith Ivy in it. Dude, Judith Ivy, yes. if anybody grew up in the 80s, was in everything, pretty yes. much. Things like compromising positions, just all of these great movies. And then she just kind of disappeared. But only if you weren't looking for her, because I looked right. her up and I'm like, wow, she's and she's still working. Yes. But she's so good as Bert's wife in this. Right. Mike Myers makes a cameo. I mean, Phil Esposito, like I said earlier. But man, I mean, this movie—you know—it's—it—it it was like a little treat. Matt Clark shows up in this movie.
0: Yeah, it was funny playing Bert's wife. She has one of the best moments in the movie too, when she's having a conversation with her daughter, and it's a super private mom-to-daughter conversation. And then Bert comes in, being the "What's going on? It's my house" kind of thing. And he, she just goes, "Get the fuck out of here, dude." <laughs> you don't, and she goes. I promise if you don't leave right now, I'm going to tell you exactly what this conversation's about.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> then he realizes right there, oh, it's that kind of thing. I don't want to know. Boom, out the door.
1: Dude, her face when she says... Where was the condom when he, uh, dude, she, that, that scene is priceless, man. Uh, Judith Ivy is a treasure, dude. I mean, yeah. she always makes everything better. Like, you know, when she shows up and she's one of those actresses is sneaky, right?
0: Cause you, you don't think about her until you're watching her. And you're like,
1: why don't, why isn't she in more shit? Yeah.
0: We're talking about all the people in it and the writer and the producer. We have talk about the fact that this is directed by Jay Roach in between Austin Powers movies. It's funny because there's so much to talk about. You're like, oh yeah, Jay Roach. He's the director of the movie. Duke Carter Burwell is the composer of this. Now, this is—I want to say it's a weird movie for him, but that year, in 1999, he did The Corruptor, which is like, dude, yeah. We've talked about making a playlist of scores and stuff that I listen to while I'm writing. The Corruptor is like one of my favorite. Things to listen to. He did The General's Daughter. He did be and John Malkovich. He did Three Kings and did Mystery Alaska all in the same year, 1999. That's fucking nuts. That's like Bear McCreary level of output. It's crazy. Right? The, the score on this is great, too. Yeah. I mean, but that Corrupter score, god damn it.
1: I lo- You know, if that's yeah. another movie we're going to have to cover at some yeah. point. Yeah.
0: I think it might be the only Mark Wahlberg movie we're going to
1: cover ever. No, I, a hundred percent, dude. I said it the other day, someone said, what, what, and I said, man, the only Mark Wahlberg movie I want to talk about with you guys is the Corrupter.
0: <laughs> and it's one of those one I, I picked up that CD at record trader. It was a, it was a whole punch for like two bucks back in 1999 when the movie came out. Cause the movie didn't do well. And that's when that's the first time I ever like gravitated towards his work and started listening to it more and more. Carter, I guess I shouldn't be surprised he's doing a movie like this because his his work is so eclectic and all over the place. In 96, he did Fargo. And to show you the, that range, Joe's Apartment. Oh, God. Isn't dude, it Joe's Apartment great. the first, I want to say the first, but maybe the second MTV movie, right? I think it's the first. Was it the first? I think so. Because I can remember Beavis and Butthead was the first one. I think Joe's Apartment was before Beavis and Butthead. Really? I guess you might be right. But again- the dude's all over the place. He did the Twilight movies. His work is fucking fantastic. It's always good stuff. And it really elevates this movie in a big way. It's real. It's mellow music when it needs to be. with, and But when the game is going, dude, you can't get a richer, more upbeat score. And it's fucking so good. It just like we were talking about by the time you get to the game you're like oh yeah there's a game and then his score just elevates the whole thing and, and it brings you brings the whole your whole focus back up stated so good i love the shit out of this movie and it's so the game itself is realistic it doesn't that's something sometimes gets lost we don't we don't have people involved that, <clears throat> that really understand the game right but david kelly being the producer as you know as well as a writer he he knows the game and he knows the game well and that's why the when you're watching the hockey moments, they all work. There's nothing about it. It's weird. Uh, most hockey movies, too, have some weird editing going on there, too, where you're like, hey, you were just behind the net. How are you right there? You know, it's like you you get geography issues in, in, in the edit bay if you don't understand what the fuck and how the game works. And a lot of people don't. And that's okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, dude, they do such a great job of keeping the they keep the hockey moving along, and you know, and it's it's easy to follow. And you're to me, it's one of the better directed sports movies of like the last twenty five years. Oh yeah,
0: tropes aside, <laughs> I wanted to talk about how this movie looks too. And I know it's it's not it's never something that is lost on us when it comes to the cinematographer. Peter Deming is the DP on this. Now, this is a guy. We, we lamented on and on when we covered Dead Presidents about From Hell, if you want to see another Hughes Brothers movie, and he shot that. Right. When you talk about that, Drag Me to Hell, which we also talked about. And he actually worked quite a bit with Wes Craven. He did the, the last three screen movies, including the fourth movie. He did Cabin in the Woods. The dude has an amazing fucking eye. He really elevated the look of this. Cause it's super tight when it's all about the human drama and it's super wide when it's hockey and it's just, it's beautifully shot. There's, there's not a lot of negative things to say about this movie. Cause you can just gush about it because everything works. Dude, how
1: sexy does the movie look at night? They shoot and they, they oh, shoot. God, so yeah. there's so many things they shoot at night strictly because it looks better at night. Like the third period of the game, yeah. anytime they're outside at night, I mean, watching it, you're like, you know, that some production executive was pissed. Why do we have to shoot that? It costs more light this at night, you guys. <laughs> that's all I kept thinking. I was like, oh, yeah, man. They're just like, no, it looks better at night. And that's what we're doing.
0: Yep. The whole town was a, was a full build. Oh, yeah. Um, outside of Cammore, Alberta, which is really cool. And it was shot at a national park, which is pretty wild. This
1: is the polar opposite of uh, Cole Meany performances from Con Air.
0: Yes. <laughs> Because Meany is usually... Well, we don't have to explain who... who is, no, just watch Con Air. You'll
1: know Con everything Air. you need to know.
0: <laughs> and he's so subdued in this. He's the, playing the mayor, and he's so fun in it. Yes. This is my second favorite meini performance. He plays a mayor, and he's the worst kind of mayor, where all he does is ignores his family, and he does things what he thinks is right for the town, but it's really what makes him look best. And he doesn't... <laughs> And we mentioned the Saturday game, by the way, you should point this out. The Saturday game, it's chosen, the the players on the team are chosen by Coleman, two of his other cohorts, not even chosen by the captain of the team. In this case, it's Russell Crowe, who's also the sheriff. Right. And that's the whole setup of this. When the kids are coming up and they're trying to make the the Saturday game more enjoyable, somebody's got to go. And unfortunately, Mr. Long in the Tooth, Russell Crowe has to go. (laughs) Right. And he gets pushed out off the team and to bring up one of the kids and then who ends up dating Burt Reynolds' daughter, which is set up at that scene we mentioned earlier that Burt Reynolds interrupts. I'll save it because it's one of the funniest moments of the movie and we'll just leave it as is. Yes. <laughs> Even though we, we've touched on it a little bit, but it's not nearly as funny uh, if we kept pointing point it out. They push him out and he still has to be, Russell Crowe's character still has to be the sheriff. He still has to do his job. And eventually Hank Azaria shows up and says, I'm bringing the Rangers. And then all of a sudden now it's like, oh, shit. Well, hey, uh, Russell, can you do us a big favor? And and he thinks he's going to be invited back on the team. You know, oh, sure, now you need me. But, yeah, they want him on the team as a coach. And then (laughs) one of the things that bothered me by why they were so weird about it is they're very clear. This is the only qualm I have about the whole movie. There's only what do they say? Eleven players, twelve players on Mysteries team. 11. Eleven. and and that includes Russell. I'm going. I'm sorry, dude. You were not going to skate with 10, ten with ten players. No, nobody will get tired. No, that, not at no. all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're pond skaters, man. They got yeah. extra.
0: They're you know they're they're built for it. What that's the thing about the Saturday game. It's all played by locals, so they can they all kind of tire the same way. But you're not going to. You're not going to show up against uh, an 18, in you know, 18 player squad like the Rangers, and who who can, man, they can cycle out of two almost two full more lines than you can cycle out there. It's just, it's just funny. If you know anything about hockey, it just, it's just, it's just a weird thing. It's the only problem I have with the movie, and, and my problem is finger quote there. I might really, it's not really a problem. It's just in the grand scheme of things, like you guys would have been looking for anybody to put on the ice. Can you not skate? Cool, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. too many bodies out there. You know,
1: the only trope they didn't they didn't go with in this, they didn't throw a girl on the team. Yeah. That's the only trope that was left out of this movie.
0: Yeah, that was, that's a different movie.
1: Or is it? I mean,
0: come on. They could have squ- maybe squeezed one in. Who knows? Here's a funny thing. This movie is one minute shy of two hours. But dude, dude this, this feels like a 90-minute movie. Yeah, absolutely. It, got, it has flow. It is brisk. It was unusual to see a two-hour movie. Back in 99. It just, the only time you got a two hour movie is when it's, I don't know, like Matrix, where it was seven years in Tibet, <laughs> things like that. <laughs> seven hours in Tibet. Exactly. Seven years that. in Tibet. <laughs> so much, dude.
1: No, I guess, that, no, we do, but you didn't have to make the movie seven hours. No. You know, it's seven years. It could be 90 minutes. Or not at all. Or just, how about we don't make
0: it? Let's just not do that. There's so much to love about this movie. Again, being a hockey fan, maybe because I, I have extra love for it, because when you're very a big fan of the, of the sport and you know that it's never handled right, which is why we both feel that Miracle was more about the player drama than it was the the game. And that's fine because that's what they chose to do. That's why the documentaries work so well, because you get to see the action and the drama. And that's why those 30 for 30s and the HBO doc works so well. This is perfectly balanced. Just they they get that first Saturday game in right away. So you understand, like, you're like, oh, sweet, man. And that's what I'm saying, too. It's like when they when they pull the rug out from underneath Russell Crowe, he had just got done playing the game. Right? <laughs> By the way, go fuck yourself, Russell. Still sweating. It, it informs the audience right away of what the game's about. Even if you're not familiar with hockey, and even if you are familiar with hockey, You may not be familiar with pawn hockey and how it works, and how it's basically like a pickup game on the on the basketball court at at the park. It's not exactly the rules don't apply. The only thing that's the same is that that the puck goes in the net. That's called the goal. That's about it. That's about yeah. It's
1: like a sandlot game in baseball. Exactly.
0: That's why this movie works so well. Is they they get that in out of the way, so when they're setting up the rest of it with all the drama in between that and the Rangers showing up and playing, you're like. How are those guys going to play against a professional team? Again, you don't even have to be familiar with the game to get it,
1: dude. The scene where the Rangers, when they're when they're all filing past them as they get off the <laughs> chopper and they're coming down the red carpet, and then everybody's just kind of looking at them, and even trees like, oh, they're and he just thinks he goes steroids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, dude, it's it's ridiculously funny, uh, and they don't make a meal of it, but it's you know it, all the the jokes in this the setup everybody's timing i mean obviously the, the i feel like the team the, the uh the mystery alaska team those guys spend a lot of time together developing a camaraderie cuz when they're on the ice after the incident where what stays in the locker room what's said in the locker room stays yeah. in the locker room Dude, when they're on the ice <laughs> yeah and he's skating around basically butt ass negative <laughs> yeah <laughs> That that stuff is priceless. I mean, I, I could have just watched the team without oh, yeah. a, without everything else around the town. I could have just watched those 11 guys, you know, interact with one another. I mean, it, it's really fun. And, and there's not a bad performance in this movie. No. It's almost like, hey, Mosley's that came back from uh, New York and he wants us to play the Rangers.
0: Right. <laughs> The, the game at the end with the Rangers ends, ends up being televised because it ends up being this big thing. It's on yeah. ESPN because that's when ESPN
1: was Ocho. doing hockey.
0: And, of course, now they're doing hockey again later on this year. How crazy is that shit? Right. But like you mentioned earlier, Phil Esposito's in it. Uh, Jim Fox, who is the color commentator for the LA Kings and has been for, like, close to 30 years, playing himself. Uh, Steve Levy and Barry Melrose make a little quick little appearance in there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Mike Myers earlier. He plays John. <laughs> he plays... He plays the color guy for the game, Donnie, Johnny Schultzhofer. Right? Where can they get a rub and tug? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> I, they used him sparingly, but perfectly because he's not in it a lot. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Dude, I want to adopt him all and take him home. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, it's it, it, they, they. There's just enough of those Myers things in there punched in during the game that it doesn't detract from. It's kind of like Bob Euchre in Major League. Yes. Right. Yes. You get just a bit outside and uh you know, you get just enough of that sprinkled through this uh game with Rangers. You want more, but it's like we talked about before. Less spicoli or more Spicoli? Well, you've got just the right amount of spicoli in this movie, but it happens to be Mike Myers. And and Mike Myers, dude, that that wig he has on is fantastic.
0: Oh, dude, yeah. And then the little bump on the nose he's got, dude. He's yeah. With this movie, when you, you become so familiar with the characters that live in mystery so quickly and Hank Azaria, you know, he's actually, he's like second billing or something like that on this. Yeah, it's weird. And I, but I feel like he's in the movie. He's not in the movie very much. No, he's not. What was this? Was this them like, oh, you know what? The star of Godzilla 98. Here you go. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't know why he's so high up
1: on But I mean, I guess other than Russell... Yeah. I mean, it really is a bunch of character actors. Right. So, I mean, I guess somebody had to, I mean, who do you make second billing? Mary McDonald. Yeah. You know, and Burt's not in it enough to be second billing. I mean, I think he gets it an and Burt Reynolds, an and. right?
0: Right. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, you know, by default, if he's the second billing. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Maury shaken, Cole Meany, those guys are, you know, character actors always. Yeah. Um, So I guess that's how, I guess that's how it happens.
0: Yeah. There's so much fun stuff that goes on in here. And one of the, one of the things that, that was a standout for me has nothing to do with hockey. And it's one of the courtroom moments that we're (laughs) getting at earlier. As we, as we mentioned earlier, Michael McKean's in the movie and he, and he plays, he plays like a, a a location scout for essentially what's a Walmart. Yeah, totally. And he gets shot in the foot. (laughs) by Connor Banks while he's in this general store because he insulted the the town. He didn't mean to shoot him. He was just trying to scare him and he he discharged his weapon and it and it hit a shovel or I think and it deflected and it hit Michael McKean in the foot. So now Michael McKean is in the courtroom with Burt Reynolds overseeing Maury Chakin is is the uh public defender. <laughs> and this is the best setup for Maury where you kind of understand who Bailey Pruitt is <laughs> because you get this later on too when they're in the courtroom with the Rangers because there's one point in there where the Rangers want to back out he starts pulling his thing that he pulled at the beginning of the movie with Michael McKean I'm not going to get into the details of it because that's, that's the fun part of it so when you get to that point in when the second moment in the courtroom you're kind of like oh I, we know what he's doing we know what he's doing and uh, it's a great moment it's a heartbreaking moment too because it's just like, oh, fuck you, David E. Kelly, you son of a bitch.
1: Right? Dude, I mean, it, it, again, I hadn't seen the movie, oh, I don't know, probably 15 years. I forgot. I forgot he had a heart attack in the yeah. middle of that. I mean, you know, because he's so impassioned and you're like, yeah, yeah, no, no, oh, you know, and then it just takes that turn and you're like, fuck, man. It's kind of like, you know, it's not like you got gut punched. Yeah. He's so passionate leading up to it. You know, it's just kind of shocking when it happens. David Kelly. Thanks, man. Yeah.
0: I one of the things, one of the uh, performances that Maury has in his career that's always made me just laugh. And boy, how poignant is it now to look back on it, uh, considering the situation with Harvey Weinstein? But him playing on Entourage, playing that Harvey Weinstein like dude. Oh yeah. That's before anybody knew what a yellow Harvey Weinstein was. Even long before all the stuff that came out in the last couple of years. Well, I guess. Unless you worked for him. Yeah, unless you worked for him.
1: Shaken is also, he's sprinkled little bits of, these little gems of performances through all kinds of movies. Twins. Yes. Breaking in with Bert and Casey you right. uh, Dude, but, I you know, for me, the movie, I, I kind of always remember him from, like, when I first sing of Marty Shaken is My Cousin Vinny, right? I mean, right. you know, it's not a giant part, but he, he's so good in it, man. It's... It, You know, he was one of those character actors who, even if you don't know his name, you know his face. He's in so many movies, man. Never really a big role, but always a memorable role in whatever he was in. Devil in a Blue Dress, Cutthroat Island, Yep. for God's sakes. You know, I mean, he's in a ton of stuff. You, I mean, it's not a name that you're like, Maury Shaken. Why do I know Maury Shaken? Mm -hmm. Wait, he was a talk show host. No, that's Maury Povich. Maury Shaken. Oh, that guy from uh, La Femme Nikita, Yeah. the TV series, mm-hmm. or The Sweet Hair After. He did a lot of movies with Adam O'Goyen. but yeah. yeah, man,
0: I mean, the guy is great. Shaken. I mean, he was. R.I.P. Rest and in peace. Maury is wonderful in it, I, but it, we talked about that. Everybody in the movie is so good, so perfectly cast, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised, you know, considering... David E. Kelly is, is known to kind of do that. But one of the fun things I found about it, since you were talking about Hank Azaria being animated, how many people in this cast are voice actors now? Right. You know, or they do, I mean, obviously Hank was at the time, but you know, Scott Grimes is a regular for uh, Seth MacFarlane's group, whether, you know, American Dad, which isn't on anymore, but he'll come from time to time, do other stuff too. Michael McKean, of course, was a Simpsons regular our say reoccurring, whether whether he was doing it himself or he was playing other characters. But I mean, we mentioned Hank, but across the board, so many people in this actually do a lot of work in in uh, in animation now. This is one of those movies that's hard to talk about more than what we've already said because it is all in the experience of the movie, which is what you want. There's always so much talking you can do about it, and other than to say watch it if you've never seen this movie before, you're in for a treat, man, because it's. Right. Fucking fun. Again, you don't, you don't have to know anything about hockey to get it. Or be
1: a fan. Yeah. You don't have to be a sports fan to no. like this movie. It's, it, it's kind of what, uh, what, what do they call it? A shaggy dog movie, right? Yep. Hey, that it's just this kind of lumbering, good natured, two hour romp with some cool, with it's like, when you go to the country and you're like, Oh, what am I going to do? And they go, like, Oh my God, I'm going to play with that sheepdog for, for
0: two hours. Right. And it's kind of like that. And with the Shaggy Dog movies, sometimes you can feel manipulated from time to time. Right. But I don't feel that with this. No. I don't feel that at all because the cast is such a wide range of ages. Well, from the kids, dude, from his yeah. kids,
1: that first scene with Crow and his kids where he's, like, where they, what does the kid say? That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Where'd you hear that in the locker room? It's an introduction to Russell Crowe as, <laughs> right. as a parent, as a father. Yeah, totally. It's brilliant. But yeah, you're right. From his kids, all the way up to Bert, all the way up to Maury. It's like, right. You get such a wide range of ages that you instantly connect with somebody in the movie. Sometimes several people in the movie and, it's funny because I think when I saw the movie originally, obviously I connected more with Russell Crowe by an age thing. Right. But then now I kind of get, I'm more like Russell as the father. Now I'm more like, I'm more like Bert in that, in that regard, it's
1: kind of like the statement of, you know what it is. It's really, it's like, it's like the statement hit. The statement is it's life in a very small town. Right. Yeah. From the kids to Bert who's, you know, lived his whole life there. These kids are going to live their whole life there, you know? And there, there's also that sort of small town aspect, which is kind of a universal theme, right? No matter where you're from, right. wherever you go, there you are. <laughs> <And it's>, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man, this movie is fun. Like you don't have to be a sports fan of any kind mm. to enjoy it. I mean, that's what, that's the kind of beautiful thing about it. This is movie that's
0: just prime. For Disney Plus, if you decided to, I don't know, put movies that are more than a PG-13 rating up there, because this movie fits perfectly. Come on, dude! Think about how many Hollywood pictures and Touchstone pictures movies they should be putting on. Sure, on this service. Wait
1: a second! Don't, don't, I'm going to say this, but you might want to cut it out because they might do it and that would just anger everybody. What if they start Disney Plus Plus for (laughs) grownups? And it's another $4.99 a month on top of your already Disney Plus. Disney
0: extra large, extra plus. It's not there. It's not anywhere. We both had to rent the fucking movie.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Which sucks. I mean, I'm glad
1: I rented it. I mean, uh, not that I wouldn't. It's a movie that I feel like is a treat, but I don't know how often I would treat myself to. it. I'm
0: glad I did. I'm glad I would. I rented it. A- Kino, Kino. Yeah, I mean, dude, this seems seems like a perfect Kino movie, right? Other, than, I mean, Bert and Mori are no longer with us, but can you imagine the cool little things that can. Cool little pieces they can do on the two of them. Everybody else is still around. I don't know, man. I really think that this can this the supplements to something like this would be really fucking great.
1: Dude, they could do a whole like you know, there's there's a whole supplement on build the building of fucking Mystery Alaska that totally. you know should exist somewhere. Rusty Smith,
0: the production designer, is still around. This movie is prime for a boutique treatment. And what is the movie now? Twenty two years old. Yeah, it'll be twenty two in October, October first. And then this movie's ready for it. Damn it. Do it already. Somebody. Right. Come on. I mean, it makes you wonder though. Maybe that's why it's not really available anywhere. Maybe somebody is already working on it.
1: Yeah. I guess they missed the 20th anniversary. <laughs> just a little
0: bit. Working, fellas. Man, mystery Alaska is like three, ninety nine to rent or something like that. But like you said, if you get a used digital, used DVD or the, the, even just the eight, if you want to see us in HD rent it because the, Digital is still like 18 bucks, which is yeah crazy, man. Ridiculous. It's worth a rental for sure, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a super fun movie. Or check
1: out eBay. Because the disc starts, you can buy this DVD starting at a dollar eighty nine.
0: <laughs> well, there, <laughs> there you go. You, go. you probably you pay it. five times that to ship it.
1: Three ninety nine. Some of it, you know, I saw some on there for like three ninety nine plus free shipping. So you could own the disc yeah. for three ninety nine.
0: I might end up picking one up just because I want to. I want to see the BTS on it because, like you said, maybe it will get in. I mean, maybe they won't get into the build so much, but I got to think, boy, if they, if they do a boutique on this one and they, and they reach out to Rusty and get him involved in it, I'm sure he's got tons of Polaroids and stuff. to can- oh, get
1: stories, dude. And yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I mean, I I think, you know, he's also the kind of guy who probably has lots of build plan. You know, I'm sure that, you know, there's plenty of material for that kind of thing on a BTS, which is great because it's literally, they built the entire thing. Yeah.
0: See, got to do it. Yeah. Anyway, that's it, man. Th- that's number Chris. three this month. Mystery Alaska from Jay Roach and writer-producer David E. Kelly. I, I guess say, though, there's one thing that was missing from this, and I gotta say I was a little surprised. No Michelle Pfeiffer. No Dede Pfeiffer. Yeah. Nothing? No, 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 no Pfeiffer, Pfeiffer. Pfeifers.
1: no Lolita Davidovich, which I'm going to say this real quick. As I, When I saw her, for a moment, I thought, did Ron Shelton write this? <laughs> and I'm like, no, of course he didn't. David E. Kelly did. Every time I see Lolita Davidovich in a movie, it's usually a Ron Shelton movie. Yeah. Oddly enough. So there you go. Chris McClintock, thank you for this. Now, aren't you happy we didn't do Miracle? <laughs> well, this is also a movie, you know, I don't know that I would have revisited if it hadn't come up, In you know, I mean... Not that I don't like it, but it's just not something I would have been like, yeah, oh, that's what I'm gonna sit down and watch. But what a great
0: pick, Chris. Yeah, I think I think so far now Mystery Alaska has been that, Empire Records has been that. We're going back and revisiting both those movies, but the other two that we that we have, Long Kiss Goodnight, is something we always talk about, and yeah, and we'll be closing next week with one we've been talking about for over a year. Oof. And
1: Waiting for the, yeah, I got to get through the rest
0: of these supplements oh so that we
1: can, cause I feel I feel like it's going to be an
0: extra large episode. <laughs> I'm finding based on the supplements alone. And then we kind of hinted at this anyway. We thought we were going to be talking more about the package as a whole from Shout. As opposed to just the movie, and I, I and I'm really standing behind that now after digging into them because I'm like,
1: I, I think that we, I think that's really what we should be doing anyway because we're going to talk about the movie anyway. But I feel like just the build up for this package, you know, I started when was I talking about it in September?
0: Yeah, when it got pushed, you know, to, when it got it, pushed to March, we, that's when we were talking right? about. I was
1: it. like, God damn it! <laughs> And then, yeah.
0: finally, yeah, well know, last time we talked about it was January before, right. the, and that's when we finalized the, all right, we didn't find the extra stuff that we wanted to. and here it is.
1: Right, we thought we were gonna get a, we were gonna get a whole nother cut of the movie. Right. You know, we didn't know what we were getting, and we've been talking about it for months, so yeah, man. So whatever we talk about
0: is gonna be fun to talk about. so. All right. Well, if you want to follow us on Letterboxd, I'm at Corey underscore Culp. If you want to support us on Patreon, thank you again, Patreon supporters. And everybody you're listening to these all through April are because of Patreon chosen episodes and films that we're covering. Uh, This week, of course, was Chris McClintock. So if you want to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash KITG podcast.
1: If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Letterboxd uh, under Tom Cody. That's Tom Cody at letterboxd.com. Here
0: Oh shit! Do you know we didn't talk about Little Richard?
1: Oh fuck! How do we forget, dude? When, when he shows up <laughs> and that, just the way that Calmini's he's trying to like figure out how to ask Little Richard. He's like, "I'm
0: cold. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>, I'm cold." <laughs> so great! I love how they don't they cut away because you don't know what's going on, and then Little Richard gets out there does the Star Spangled Banner and he sings it so slow, and everybody in the in the TV booth like why is he singing this so damn slow? Obviously the whole point of it was to keep the Rangers players out there in the cold right? and you know, watching just-
1: them squirm and those close-ups on their feet getting cold. <laughs> and then, and then when he's finished, dude, and then there's that like eight second break and then he goes into the Canadian national yeah. anthem. They have to speak back. I mean, dude, that is some silly, awesome
0: shit. And, then, and they cut the comb and he just got this shitty grin. Right. So good. Good stuff. Well, right. bamboo bop.